Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome or welcome back to Soap Lore, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jet, and we're viewing and reviewing the soapiest, fuzziest primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's a dynasty kind of day, watching Season 3's Episode 8, La Mirage. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids to play outside or out of sight. Tell they no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25-35 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot. You can be cool, you can be quiet, or what? You can be kicked out. I'm watching the story. Time for y'all to be quiet. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. Season is moving right along. We're not, I guess we're about a third of the way through. and Things are warming up quite nicely. We're going to start off with Dynasty today because last week it was on and popping. In case you forgot or in case this is your first episode, welcome. If this is your first episode, I really would recommend that you go back and at least start on uh, the season three kickoff. It'll make a lot more sense, but if you don't want to do that, no big deal. There's not too much that you've missed. When last we left, though, Adam had just bought a can of toxic paint. <laughs> that really got me to thinking about like all the, the glue you used to have in kindergarten or the, the non-toxic crayons like that. Before then, things were actually quite toxic, just like Adam's personality, which is developing right on schedule. I knew he was no good. I knew he was no good. Now he's going to kill pretty little Jeff. Who knows? That remains to be seen. Today I have some Italian sparkling water. So I'm going to sip on that and then I cut up a little bit of a fruit bowl. It's summer. It's time to get things moving. It's time to eat a little lighter, to move a little more. And I cut up a little fruit bowl for this episode. Dynasty makes me feel so fancy. Last week I had on these amazing gold earrings. This, this week's earrings are blue. They're definitely made out of like felt and plastic, but in my mind, they might as well be. What's blue? Is our sapphires blue? Let's say they're sapphires and I'll correct myself if I'm wrong later. They're blue jewels. Okay. And they're wonderful. Dynasty brings this out of me. I'm like, why am I cutting up a charcuterie board? Why do I have a fruit cup? Why do I need to drink sparkling Italian mineral water out of a margarita glass? <laughs> I don't even have champagne glasses, but that's neither here nor there. This show brings it out of you and I totally get it. I can see why it was so popular. I love the glamour. I love the attitude. And we're just now getting started. Before we jump into today's episode, which is, by the way, called La Mirage, I'm really glad that La Mirage is a spot to be now instead of that other hotel they used to go to. It was really tight and really little. At least with La Mirage, they're able to kind of move around through rooms. They spend a lot of time outside. There's just more, more action there. You know, you can have two storylines going there at the same time. But... At the time of this recording, it is May the 3rd, which means summer is upon us. Last year, I started watching The Yellow Rose, which is the single season sensation, and I want to pick that up again. However, guys, I have a little bit of a dilemma. 
Now, as you know, I'm not digging too deep into any of these soap operas because I want to experience them in real time and just give my genuine reaction and develop a fan fandom for it or not. I'm always going to be honest with that, but I, not slanting. So I just found out that not slanting, I guess I didn't, I, I knew this, but I didn't really think about it. Not slanting is definitely a spinoff of Dallas. And I'm not really sure when I figured that out. I think my mother-in-law might've told me that. So I'm not sure how that works. Usually with spinoffs, someone is going to move away. So my bet is Lucy. She seems like the most likely to, she's probably going to go to college. I don't know where Knott's Landing would be. It sounds like a boat. So I'm assuming it's going to be on some coast, but I know that was my aunt's favorite show that in Miami Vice. She loved her some Knott's Landing. So I wanted to watch that, but it turns out that one has several seasons. That's not going to be a one and done. So I need to find a comparable spinoff and start watching those at the same time. So I'm going to look into it and see if Dynasty has any spinoffs or Falcon Crest or whatever. I'll have to get a little bit more creative there, but I really like the formula of comparing apples to apples. So with that being said, within the next week or two, I will find a single season sensation. It may not be from the 80s. It might be from the early 90s. I think I saw something about some models that might be interesting, but we're going to continue that in the summer. I think it's easy to do. It's lighter and we get to see what formula works and what formula doesn't work. But in the meantime, in between time, let's jump on to today. We're talking about dynasty. So pick up some finery, put on some beautiful jewelry, plastic or otherwise like my plastic and felt earrings, but they're cute. And let's jump in to episode eight, season three, La Mirage. Listen, at this rate, you might need to tell Bay to no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 45 minutes. At this rate, I'm going to be at this all day. I have just noticed something. Usually I try to skip the intro. This one doesn't allow me. It, it'll, it has the option to skip. However, it only skips like three people. They have reintroduced uh, Kirby. Mark and Adam, but it's super suggestive. I've never noticed this before. So the first person I see is Jeff and they have him opening a bottle. The next person you see is Adam and he is popping a bottle of champagne. It's very suggestive when you look at it all together. They've thrown in Kirby. By the way, everyone's name has escaped me because I don't really care. I don't care to learn your real name along with your stage name. I got to keep this very cut and dry for myself. I don't really care to learn their names right now. So then they move on to Mark and he's like, he's sitting with, okay, let me describe. Okay. Kirby is coming out of the house and she's dressed as some medieval princess. Adam is popping a bottle of champagne and they zoom in on the bottle of champagne. Jeff is opening another bottle of champagne, I think. And they zoom in on that. But Mark, they have him sitting, you know, he's laid back all sexily with some woman's legs draped across him in pantyhose. I'm like, this is super suggestive. Now, I don't really watch a lot of intros, but I feel like as they introduce characters, they don't in 2023, you don't really see the person, you know, their name comes up, you just have to kind of figure out who they are after the factory, figure it out on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. But Dynasty was ahead of their time. They knew exactly what they're doing. They are setting the tone. And it's very clear. Adam is in direct competition with Jeff because their intros are almost identical. 
baby girl, Kirby, seems to be very innocent. So they have her dressed as a fair maiden in some sort of LARPing scenario. And then they have Mark. Every time you see Mark, he's either in the tiniest of tiny hoe shorts or he is caressing one of his female students or he's in some sort of flashback fantasy, topless, sitting back as a woman adores him. Team too much. Dynasty is on one. And we're not even to the actual show. Oh my. Oh my. 10 minutes in and I have to make a critical correction. I thought we were down one city girl. I thought we were down. I thought the bad girls club was down a player too. Not so. Kirby is absolutely much brighter, much sharper, much more observant than she seems. Kirby steps out of her room right about the time Fallon walks in from being at La Mirage all night. Jeff is leaving for work and Fallon is dog tired. She has 8 billion things to do. She just wants to come home to bathe the baby, take a little nap because something is popping off tonight at La Mirage. Well, Kirby is now she's dressed like some weird, I don't mean to say weird, but she's definitely got like a mountain woman outfit on. She's like a white blouse and this weird belt and the skirt. I, I don't know where we're going with all this. She's clearly going to be dressed as something. Most of the show, she was definitely Nanny McPhee. And then she was a cha-cha emoji. Now she's a mountain woman. And eventually at some point, she's going to be some sort of LARPing princess. I digress. So she sees Fallon and she's like, hey, Fallon. And Fallon remembers her. She's like, oh my gosh, Kirby. Three years ago, you were a kid. Now you're competition. And immediately Kirby's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, look at you. You're beautiful. You have this beautiful baby. It's as handsome as Jeff and as beautiful as you. You're so lucky. So she starts planting this seed. She keeps mentioning the baby and how she was on this yacht and she took care of other kids, blah, blah, blah. Now, mind you, Kirby has access to information that Fallon doesn't. The staff has raised Kirby, so she is up on all the tea. She knows good and well about Jeff and Fallon's relationship. She already has eyes for him. She already knows it's not working out. So now her thought is, let me get in here as a baby's nanny because Homegirl told her last week that that was not working out. So she keeps playing, you know, she puts a little bug in Fallon's ear. Like, yeah, I used to take care of this baby on this yacht. Four months old. Oh, I love babies. Blah, blah, blah. Well, naturally, Fallon's like, well, would you be interested in taking care of my baby? I know you're super overqualified because you have a degree and whatnot. But would you like to care here with this baby? And she pretends to put up a little bit of a fight, but ultimately that is her goal. You can tell because I love this in a soap opera where when someone has ulterior motives, there's always kind of this lingering stare. So as Fallon stares lovingly at her baby, Kirby stares at her with a knowing look like "Mm -hmm." tick, tick, as in boom. She's got her exactly where she wants her and we're not even 10 minutes into the show. This is very interesting. We're about halfway through the show and I really did think this was going to be about Jeff and Adam, but the focus of this episode seems to be around Alexis and Crystal. 
So Crystal, at the beginning of the episode, she's acting super happy. Her and Blake, oh my God. Her and Blake went out to dinner or something and they decided that he felt like she was standoffish. And I was thinking, yeah, she is acting weird. What's going on with that? I forgot it's because her ex-husband Mark is in town. So she feels a way about that. And what she thinks is that Blake has something to do with him coming to town, which is really ridiculous. Why would this obscenely insecure man we've seen this from episode two on this obscenely insecure very intimidated man invite her ex-husband into the picture so they figure out pretty quickly that he didn't have anything to do with it but it looks like fallon did now that's partially true fallon was only aware that he was crystal's husband after the fact la mirage apparently they're happening like they're they're big opening there's going to be a dance there's going to be a party and it is a 20s themed party guys I don't know what it is about me like I'm good at math I am good at putting things together seemingly things that don't really relate to each other I can see the connection between them but it's something about hearing certain words out loud that just take me to a whole nother place so there's this scene where there's going to be a party at La Mirage so Crystal and everyone else involved, they need to have a costume because it's the Roaring Twenties. Clearly, this was filmed in the 80s, so this would be vintage wear. You're going to have to, you're probably going to have to have a costume. It's probably really difficult to find clothing from that era, although it's worth noting the time from 1939 to 1981 is exact same amount of time from 1982 to 2000 and 21, 22, 23. My math isn't that great. I mean, I just said it was good math. Anyway, you you get what I'm saying. Uh, I, I've talked about this on an earlier episode. Things didn't change that drastically from 1939 to 1980. Honestly, not super drastically. But from 1980 to 2020, it's a it's. I mean, every three years, it's totally different than the previous three years. Anyway, they. Are all, they have to, they being anyone invited to the party, have to find a costume so that they can be within the theme of the Roaring Twenties. Crystal and Alexis, surprise, surprise, end up at the same shop within Denver High Society and they are trying on an outfit. Now, this is a really interesting scene because any woman, any man, anybody born after 1975 knows that dressing rooms, you generally can't see the people next to you. The stalls are very high, but on television, you have to make certain allowances so that we can, the story flows smoothly. They're in this shop and the stalls that they go into are just low enough to where you can see each woman from about armpit up. You can tell that they're changing. You can tell that they're putting, taking off their regular clothes and putting on this costume and they're having this tit for tat. This is so good to me because I'm starting to see that there's going to be a dynamic between Crystal and Alexis that I imagine is going to, is just going to keep going. It reminds me of the Laura from, oh God, what's the one with Urkel? Family Matters and Urkel. They, they for years, they had the same rapport. This is what this feels like. Now, remember, Crystal beat the brakes off of Alexis in her little apartment. That that trailer park from Ohio jumped out. No disrespect to anybody from a trailer park in Ohio, but it jumped out and she beat the brakes off of Alexis. And you would normally, once you beat the brakes off of someone, 
they they tend to respect you. This isn't the case with Alexa. She has this uncanny ability to just every time she has an interaction with Crystal, she never lets Crystal know that Crystal gets under her skin. But that's all you can see when you look at Crystal. You can tell that Alexis drives her crazy. Anyway, they're trying on these costumes and it turns out they have on the exact same gold lame dress. So they decide to flip a coin to decide who's going to wear it. And there's this tit for tat back and forth. Flip the coin and Crystal wins. So Alexis has to find a brand new costume. It works out for her in the end because her costume is actually way more popping. Crystal's is just like a gold lame dress, spaghetti strap. She throws on a feather headrest. And she goes over to La Mirage and she and Blake look like every other geriatric person in there. Say what you will. 1920 to 1980 is 60 years. Everybody in there looks about 60 years old to me. Alexis actually has like this sparkly dress and she's talking to this congressman in her penthouse. She hasn't actually made it yet. But I want to say this. When they were in the dressing rooms and they were chatting back and forth about the Roaring Twenties, I had an epiphany. Alexis says something to the sort like, oh, it's such a wonderful time because they were just living their lives and they weren't really worried. They were completely unaware of what was ahead of them, i.e. the market crash. And I think about that now, guys. People born after 1970, we don't have that luxury. We are hyper aware of everything. There's news channels that are on 24-7. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We have constant feed coming to us via our telephones at all times. We are hyper aware of the fact that the market could crash in any moment. You know, the U.S. dollar at the time of this recording is being challenged as the, you know, the Trump card or whatever. But I started to think about it like, it's so weird that we're in the roaring 20s. We are in the roaring 20s again. It is 2023. The roaring 20s were 100 years ago. And I mean, it seems like a world away. But when you actually think about it, I'm like, wow. I wonder what we have coming. I'm not going to bore you on this podcast. You know, I am a fan of reading. I love literature. I'm a total bibliophile. And there's this book called Generations that I think everyone should read. And it goes through the history of the United States from 1550, I think, through the year 2000. And they get a few things wrong when it comes to like the millennial generation. Because I mean, they didn't, they didn't know what was coming after, you know, 2000. But it's a very interesting take on the way we live and the way that history actually does repeat itself. Essentially, it says that every five generations you are repeating yourself. It is a why, it is a reason that great grandparents, grandparents and grandkids get along so well because they're sort of going through the same transition in life. They're going to be faced with the same challenges economically, spiritually and otherwise. It's an interesting take. I will leave the link within the show notes so that you guys, if you're interested in checking it out, you can check it out. I am genuinely surprised that we are halfway through the episode and they've only barely spoken about Adam and Jeff. Other than Kirby, clearly who has eyes for Jeff, we see Adam walk into Jeff's new office, which is being painted this really bright. Listen, they love blue this season. The baby's room is blue. I think there's another room in in Fallon's office that's blue and Jeff's office is being painted this blue. So 
Adam walks in, but he's not wearing a mask. And the guy who's painting it has this gas mask on or whatever. And he makes a comment about how awful it smells, but Adam's unbothered. And Alexis walks in and she's really pleased that Adam has decided to befriend Jeff. She's surprised, but she's really pleased. I'll come back after the show is over just so we can see where this goes. Because right now it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. One last note. One of my favorite movies in history is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, starring Kelly Bundy, a.k.a. Christina Applegate. The premise of the movie is that Christina Applegate, a.k.a. Kelly Bundy, a.k.a. I think her name is Sue Ellen in the movie. Her mom goes to Australia with some new boyfriend for the summer and she leaves X amount of money and a babysitter like this geriatric lady to come and watch the kids while Sue Ellen lives her life. She's like a senior in high school or she just graduated from high school and there are three other siblings. By the end of the movie, what? so the babysitter dies, right? And Sue Ellen is forced to get a job. So she forges this really bogus resume and she gets this job at this fashion company. And by the end of the movie, she has to put on a fashion show. She designs these clothes and, you know, her friends work as the model. She figures out how to do it on a dime. Crystal in this episode is wearing the exact, the exact blue and black pinstripe shirt from that movie it immediately jumped out to me and I'm starting to realize how iconic this show is if it's being I mean hell it's stripes let let me just calm down a little bit but it's amazing Crystal never wears dark colors she's always in cream tan brown all these neutrals but she's in that black and white that excuse me blue and white striped and it's a killer outfit So things start popping off at La Mirage. It's a full-on 20s fest. Everyone is dressed to the nines. They're having a good time. And in walks Adam. Adam is mad creepy at this point. It's beyond, it's beyond just like, oh, you're icky. Go away. It's like, there's something wrong with you. He, He corners Fallon at some point to tell her, that he likes a hotel, but he can't just say, oh, I like the hotel. He's like, man, it's it's almost as beautiful as the night it was when you came on to me. It's like, dude, if you do indeed believe that you are Adam Carrington, why are you still talking to your sister like this? He never lets up. And by, I mean, there's no reason for any of us, the audience or anyone else to believe that he's not Adam. But he's still like scheming and being super skeezy with her. Remember that word skeezy? Luckily, right about this time, in walks Jeff in all white. He's got on a white suit with like a a silk lapel. Looking like a whole snack. I'm just going to say it. I was like, dang, Jeff is fine. (laughs) So he shows up and, you know, Adam quickly scurries away after Jeff asks. He's like, so why did you decorate my office? Thank God he's not dead, right? Because he's supposed to be breathing in these super toxic fumes. But luckily he hasn't. And as Adam walks away, Fallon looks over to Jeff and she's like, dude, you need to watch this. When I tell you to be careful, you really need to listen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's something about this dude I don't like. You need to keep a close eye on him. Don't you ever, ever, ever turn your back on him. I'm not saying a lot because she's not very fond of Jeff either. Jeff sort of heeds her advice, but not so much. Kirby comes in. Of course, Kirby's there and she's gorgeous. 
She's dressed as a 1920s flapper, and there's some sort of French aristocrat who recognizes her from back in France, and she she plays coy. She pretends as if she doesn't know who he is, but he's like, no, I definitely remember you. You had on this beautiful purple dress, and then the next day you were in suede. And the guy tells Fallon that he don't know who she is, but she definitely gets around. She's very nervous, a little bit skittish around him. (sighs) Adam has taken a liking to her, and I will say this. If you've ever seen the show Snapped, I think it comes on WeTV, dude, Adam is a classic textbook case of someone on that show. He does not like disagreements. He does not like a challenge. And when Kirby kind of gives him the skirt and Jeff sweeps in to like help her because he's a knight in shining armor, it pisses Adam off. Adam is furious. For the rest of the night, he's basically scowling over at Jeff. He can't stand him. And Kirby is all up on that. She gives him a kiss at the end of the night. It's about 2.15. She leaves. Blah, blah, blah. So this episode is totally and completely not what I expected. La Mirage turns out to just be this beautiful party where everyone shows up at There's a couple of dealings that I'm going to leave out because I'm really hoping that you guys will check in and start watching this show with me and experience some of it for yourself. And I want to make sure I leave a little bit of that for your enjoyment. But I will say this. As developments go, there are a couple. And I will say that Crystal and Alexis both have major, major decisions to make. The biggest takeaway from this episode is that Adam is indeed a psychopath. He's not a good kid. And I'm starting to wonder, oh my God, starting to wonder whether or not he is really Adam Carrington. And of course, we all saw his backstory. So it's not like he made it up. He, these people were not on his radar. He only has his grandmother's word and there's no reason to believe he's not. But if he is, he's operating in it. He's definitely psychotic. Oh, well, we'll just have to see you next time on episode nine of season three. Join me on Saturday as we review. I'm going to say Falcon Crest. I'm not 100% sure at this time, but we'll watch one of those Falcon Crest or Dallas and keep this versus versus going and keep it on the up and up. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Stay hydrated. Stay moisturized. Mind your own business and keep all of your drama on TV.